you need moments where you remove yourself from the work. You give yourself time to think about the strategy, about the future, to work on the business rather than in the business. And you need times to allow your brain just to sift through all the information it's collected. So you need not, not to do more, but to create vacuum around you to think and allow yourself to process because that's how you will know what's really important and what's the priority and where you need to focus your energy. And a lot of the things we put in our to-do list, a lot of time, if you haven't done them within five days and nobody asked for them, they were not important. So mm. let them go. So you're a consultant or coach and you want to know what does it really take to lead transformational change, not just any other change, transformational change. You will definitely want to listen into this episode of the Enough Already podcast. And welcome to the Enough Already podcast. This is a show for consultants and coaches who want to forge their own paths to success in their careers and their lives. And I'm your host, Betsy Jordan. I am a business mentor. I'm a brand messaging and positioning strategist. I'm here to help you find the words to describe the unique value of what you do so you can get clients excited to work with you and be equipped to do major projects. And one of those big projects, if you're a consultant or coach, is definitely leading transformational change and is very different. And it's for this reason I wanted to bring back on the show Dolly Hamush to my show. He is one of my clients, and we worked really hard to develop clarity around his expertise as a transformational change leader. And what does that really mean? And he's going to provide you some actionable strategies that you can use with your clients to help them navigate all of the complexity in this very ambiguous world. So welcome back to the show, Dolly. Thank you, Betsy. Thanks for having me again. I am so excited you're here. And there's so many uh, powerful nuggets that you brought up in our last episode. And for those who are listening, if you missed it, you definitely want to hear it about his journey from becoming, being a, uh, a chief learning officer and turning his career into his own consulting or coaching business. And your business is all about transformational change. So um, what I would love to do is first establish, what does it mean? What does transformational change mean? You were very clear throughout of all of our brand um, brand work that we did together in your messaging that you do transformational change and you really had a negative reaction to change management. So tell me about, let's just talk about like, what are the different kinds of change and how is transformational change different than other types of change an organization might embark on? Um, so thank you very much again, Betsy, for the invitation. And just to I don't want to start any controversies. I didn't have a negative reaction to change management. I think for me, it's just a matter of how it is used. Um, I think the difference between transformational change and the traditional toolbox of change management is transformational change, basically, you're trying to put something in the organization, in the world, or even in your career and your life that did not exist before. And ah. there is no capabilities that support the existence of that thing you're trying to create. So that's the difference between continuous improvement because continuous improvement, basically you just add incremental um, positive things to make whatever your project, your career, your organization better. Change management, basically you try to move the organization towards the future, but everything around you is stable. Everything is known. There is no unknown, there's no disruptions comes transformational change, you know you need to evolve or grow or transform. 
but you have no idea what is the end state and you have no idea what capabilities you have that can get you there. So basically there's a lot of unknown, a lot of complexity, and you, there is also a lot of ambiguity. And I come back to complexity because that is something that usually is lacking in change management. So change management, when you put an action there, you can predict the consequences of that action. In transformational change, any action you do will have unintended consequences. So if you Got have it. no idea what you will be creating, the only thing you can do is be open when it happens and see how you can leverage it to advance your change agenda. And a lot of organizations now, they find themselves in this transformational change bucket because they know with what is happening in the world that they have to evolve to go to the next iteration, but they have no idea what the future will look like. They have no idea what is the next disruption coming in. And also as a workforce and internal organization, they change in so much that they don't know where they're starting from, what the capabilities they have, and what the possibilities for evolution they have available to them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it sounds like change management is really more around improvement, improvement of an existing state, making it a little bit better, or putting in plans in place where you could clearly see and control the outcome. Like you have a goal, and I know exactly what I need to do, and I could put things into place, and I could test and adjust it. And that's why that like some of the existing change management tools, um, I believe you mentioned like SWOT analysis and you know change charters and all that kind of stuff that could work in this environment. But the difference with transformational changes, I don't really know the outcome. That there's a lot of ambiguity, a lot of complexity, and I know I need to make some sort of transformation. I don't know exactly what that looks like. That's the big difference. And these change tools over here don't work over here. Yeah. The main ingredient that is missing in transformational change is certainty. And which is ironic because usually when a client hires a consultant or a coach and mentor is to help bring certainty. Got it. That's, that's why the relationship works. But we live now in an environment where that certainty does not exist. And that is why also it's hard to have somebody from outside driving transformation or change like HR or a change external team or external person, because usually the knowledge, the action and how fast are going demands that the change capabilities be within the team or the organization. And that is why I position myself as a change mentor or coach, because what I do is I help imprint the change DNA within the team of the organization. I equip them so they have those capabilities that they can do it now and do it after and again and again. But because also they have the knowledge, the experience, and they're in the heart of the action of what is happening. So, so it sounds like then, like when we're dealing with this big, big transformational change, it's all about ambiguity. And so somebody might hire someone to help. And that really helped make sense. That resonates with me because I, now I'm clear that this is what I do in my businesses. I help people in transformational change because they don't know exactly what their business is going to be. And so they need me for, uh, you know, to create clarity and to help with that validation and all that kind of stuff. That's what you believe your transformational change leaders within in the organization is designed to help. So let's talk about the, so if the change is different, can you give me a practical examples? So let's just really ground this principles before we talk about like the, the attributes and the skills of the change leaders themselves, like what kind of change leaders and change catalysts they need to have. 
can you give me two specific examples of what is like a change management type of project and what's a transformational change project based on your experience working with organizations? Can you give me a tangible example to really ground this? So for example, a change management project, imagine that you need to transfer, for example, your support team to um, the IT department. So basically you need to make a change on how you interact with your internal client instead of calling you for support as, for example, as you know, um, an HRIS team, a human resources information system team, you're going to transfer that support to the global IT within your organization. So basically you're taking four, five, 10 people and with the services they provide and shifting them over the fence to the other organization. That's a change because it's gonna impact your team, part of your team. It's gonna impact the people who are left in your team because it's a separation. You need to re-engineer the process and it's gonna uh, impact also your clients and also the host organization in the global IT. There is a lot of certainty happening in here. Even if there is a change in the change curve, the certainty is you're still within the same organization uh, you know the global IT team because they're your colleagues. You know your services and you know your clients. They're internal to usually the employees and the managers. So that's a change uh, team. And you are you can envision the future when that team is going to be part of the IT, how it will interact. And then you can work in a process and a communication and change plan on how you're going to do that. Now, imagine in a transformational change, uh, we have an HR team that they need now because of the what's happening in the world and within the organization to be efficient and performing and align the services the strategy with the future and what the organization asks from them we don't know what how the future will look like we don't know sometimes and you you've done it sometimes betsy even your clients sometimes don't have an idea about what they will need from you from in the future and also you don't know which capabilities you have that will be in service for that future. So basically, you're getting to the unknown. You're trying to predict the future, predict a future HR organization, predict a future HR portfolio of services, and you have no idea what that future will look like. You have no idea if the people that are right now will be there in the future. You have no idea if your client that you're going to survey right now are going to be the same client in, in their role in the future. And you have no idea if their needs right now are the needs of the future. So, so there is a lot of unknowns and uncertainties and complexity going on with that. So where do you start? So like with this HR team, then there's level of complexity of like, okay, so we need to enhance how we're aligning ourselves to the business. The business doesn't, because of the volatility and uncertainty in the world, the business doesn't even know exactly where it's going. They don't know exactly where they need to go. And so the key thing coming back to what you said before is that this, this future is relatively certain and more controllable. This certain, this future is very unclear and uncertain. And my role in helping that is uncertain and unclear because everything's lack, there's lack of clarity. Yeah. That seems, that's very interesting. Yeah. And in the second example of transformational change, the only thing that is clear for the leader is there is an imperative of change that the way they're operating right now is not sustainable in the future. And they have to do something, but they have no idea where they're starting, where they're going or how it will unfold. 
So then, so a lot of big buzzwords today, it's like, we're talking about like the VUCA world, you know, and then you know, volatility, uncertainty, what's the rest? Volatility, volatility, uncertainty. Ambiguity, complexity. Ambiguity and complexity. So given that, is is this, is there something unique that's going on in our world today that, is it just a buzzword that somebody captured and it's like, sounds cool? Or is there more complexity and ambiguity affecting organizations right now? It existed before. It just, it was not distributed evenly. So some parts of the world, some organization have lived through that volatility, uh, ambiguity, complexity, and uncertainty, but it was not evenly distributed. I think right now it's evenly distributed in all organizations and all around the world. And I think that's where um, this we, we are questioning a lot of the models we lived in, and not only in change management, whether in leadership, whether in talent, um, whether in compensation, whether in um, employee experience, everything now is challenged. Also, there is new demographics where now in the workforce, you have people who are um, just entering the workforce, they're in the 20s, but we have people also that are still working, that are still in the 50s and 60s. So we manage in a spectrum of demographic that is- Please don't make 50s and 60s sound old, please. <laughs> make, make it Make it older people. Make it- older. I didn't say older people. I'm just saying like there's this large spectrum. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing yeah. you. <laughs> there's this large spectrum of, of individuals, which yes, brings I get it. more complexity. And then the other thing also for me is that there is all these models and things we did in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s that do not work anymore. So that also adds another complexity, but we haven't found new models to replace it with. So we all say, oh, hierarchical um, leadership does not work. Authority does not work. Uh, we say uh, silos uh, do not work. But what did we find that really works to replace it with? Nothing. We know it doesn't work but we have no idea what's, what to replace it with. And the reason be, maybe because of this complexity, there's not one thing that works. There are many no. things that we have to find and we have just to probe, guess, try, experiment and see what works and keep reinventing the wheel constantly. Yeah, when I was a, a new OD consultant in the 90s, you know, that big thing then was like self-directed teams and that didn't work. Like all these things didn't work. And I could see what you're saying because nowadays you talk about the hierarchy, but we're also talking about, you know, virtual workforces, hybrid workforces. There are, it feels to me that there is a certain level of complexity that I did not face as an organizational consultant or as a, as a cast member at Disney. I don't see that to the same level. It does feel like that there's something different, even just the fact that everybody's on Zoom. Like, I think post-pandemic, that's just like one obvious one. It's like, well, how are we going to even work? Are we even going to have offices anymore? Like, well, that's a major paradigm shift. So the, when I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I just wanted to add one point to the complexity and the ambiguity and certainty and the volatility. There's one thing also that makes it also harder for a lot of leaders and organizations today is the speed. There's really a high level of speed expected right now because of the globalization, because of the technology that enables it that we didn't have. I can give you an anecdote, uh, Betsy, when I started my career at the end of the 80s, I was in sales development. So to get a sale, I would, you know, 
in the morning, look through my business cards. I, I don't know if you remember the Rolodex, find yes. a client, give them a cold call, and then try to book appointments. I book appointments for like three, four days later. Then three, four later, days later, I'm doing my visits. Then I get, you know, maybe a sale. I get a sale. I write it on a piece of paper. I go back to the office. The day after I give it to the admin of the team, she writes it on her typing machine, print it, give it to me, but I'm already visiting clients. So at the end of the day, I go, I validate that it's good. Then she put it in the computer, fax it to the client. Three days later, he confirms that it's the right order. Then give it back to me. Then I send it to logistics uh, and I send it you know, through internal mail. Five days later, they call the client to confirm that that's the right order. Then maybe three, four weeks later, it gets to the client, then the payment. I had enough time to breathe during those moments. Right now, that's not the case. Technology take care of that. That can be made in five minutes. I ordered something out of Amazon by the day after I had it. I'm like if it's like you know, Amazon now is around the corner from where I, where I live. That speed makes it now that not only there's a lot of change, we don't have enough time time to think about the change and the consequences and the impact and even to absorb it and assimilate it and integrate it in our processes that we're already facing the next thing. So how does that relate to just like how our human bodies are even designed to be able to manage, you know, the ambiguity? I know that the fear of the unknown is definitely something our survival brain absolutely hates. And so there's that part. But then the speed, like like I like the way you're describing it, I could feel like my nervous system's like ah, like I I'm starting to feel myself getting more anxious. So like, what are the impacts of this kind of environment and how people can be more conscious, intentional, and aware as they're trying to implement this kind of transformational change? That, that's a great question, Betsy. And if you look at the statistic around well-being in organization, it kept going down for the last two or three decades. And it's amazingly, as, as, as we get more connected, as we get more technology, our well-being in, at work is going down. And that is why we saw a lot of programs around employee experience, mental health, well-being, and we still haven't figured it out. And I think for me as a leader, having been inside the organization and now outside the organization, as a coach and mentor when I work with people, I see always the same mistake. So the first thing is, oh, there is more to do. I'm going to try to do more. So I'm going to work evenings. I'm going to work weekends. I, I have this to-do list and I will try to finish it. And actually the recipe is, the, uh, the solution is the opposite. You need moments where you remove yourself from the work. You give yourself time to think about the strategy, about the future, to work on the business rather than in the business. And you need times to allow your brain just to sift through all the information it's collected. So you need not, not to do more, but to create vacuum around you to think and allow yourself to process because that's how you will know what's really important and what's the priority and where you need to focus your energy. And a lot of the things we put in our to-do list, a lot of time, if you haven't done them within five days and nobody asked for them, they were not important. So mm. let them go. Um, the second thing is around finding clarity 
but not only on relying on your own um, thinking, but rounding around the tribe around you or a trusted advisors or a lot of people. So you have to surround yourself with people. And the reason why it's because there's so much information in the world that our brain alone cannot process it by itself. It's too overwhelming. Um, I'm sure, Betsy, if you look at your playlist, whether podcasts, whether books, whether shows, it's a long list. Um, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I'm looking at Netflix, I keep like scrolling and then one hour later, uh, I didn't do anything. I think now watching Netflix is just browsing. That's the activity of watching, not watching a movie. So there is so much content right now and not always good content is basically you have to decide where you need to shift and focus your energy. And to do that, what you need, you need a distributive, distributed brain. So I can't only rely on myself. I will connect with Betsy, connect with my peers, connect with mentors, and they will help me with their brain processing power to really find what I need to focus and what I need to do. So usually what we do, which is a mistake when I coach leaders, they go into the work by themselves and they do the long hours. Like, no, no, that's the moment you need to create empty moments where you just let your brain uh, think or where you need to tap into your community to really get that perspective and get that energy back. And then the third thing is around your body. Um, we talked about this in our previous uh, podcast, is we were brought up that the intellect is the highest form of work and expression, but actually your body is the right, is the, the most important thing. Because when your body is rested, you are able to do your best work. And your body will give you a lot of information about what is happening within you and what is happening around you. So another example, when I coach leaders is, for example, even in meetings, when you're doing executive alignment or when I'm coaching a VP and they have trouble with their teams or with their peers, it's like when you get into the meetings, what can you sense before the meeting? There's tons of information that people are sending to you without even talking. There, through their bodies, through the way they look, the way they portray themselves. So how can you use your body as a database and a source of information that can help you do your best work? So I feel like these are three really good actionable tips that are like really part of like one first overall tip on becoming a transformational change agent or change catalyst is number one is you have to kind of like model a different way of being. So especially if you're an, like, I think your clients are HR people, learning and development people, anybody who's like leading a transformational change within an organization, they almost have to go first, put their oxygen mask on. And the way they go first is recognizing like, okay, so there's all this complexity. How do I navigate it with my own human body? And number one is I need to make space for myself like create space in my calendar for thinking to working on the business. So thing two is to get clarity by talking to other people and not trying to just get stuck in my head and doing it on my own. And thing number three is to listening into my body and listening into myself so I can kind of address it. It seems like that's almost like establish your personal power, you know, first, yeah. that's the first thing if you want to lead change. So this is what you would recommend to your clients who are internal change agents and the same thing that you might recommend to external change agents is thing one. That's what you need to do to help lead transformational change. Is that accurate? Yeah, definitely. You have to be solid in your own craft and your own body and your own leadership, change leadership to be able to lead others. One thing I want to come back around the creating the space 
to think. Um, I remember I had a boss in the beginning of my career who would say to me, thinking is working. So if you're sitting there thinking, that's part of the work. And mm. it amazes me when I coach uh, executive leaders or I coach teams where they, 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 they value business. They value business. Oh, I'm busy. Well, when are you thinking? Because if you're just busy, are you not effective? I can guarantee you 100%. If you don't take the time to think, you're not effective. Yeah. Um, so, so we have to remove the guilt and the shame around. I can sit and think. Actually, Jack Welch from um, the, the CEO of GE and created this amazing um, you know, company, but also um, a lot of management uh, models and management uh, um, uh, content. He used to every day... Um, you know, the story was told, I don't know if it's true, every day after lunch from 1 to 2 p.m., he would just stand and stare at the window and think. So this is the CEO of a, one of the most successful companies, and he does that. So imagine um, what we need to do us on on everyday basis. So we have to remove the shame around that. One of the best definitions I've ever heard about personal power is that when you spend equal amount of times in reflection and action, yeah. You know, that for whatever that would be. Do you agree with that definition? Yeah, definitely. And disciplined thinking is really one of the superpowers of any leaders. Disciplined mm. thinking, it's really one of the superpowers because that's what shapes the work and shape the organization and shape the action afterwards. So another, so an actionable strategy that you would say with these three, um, three principles, you know, number one is ground yourself, but then also if you are working with your clients, these are the tips that you would say that you would encourage the leaders to do, you know, is really balance your reflection, you know, balance your action with more reflection, you know, um, get, get tribes of advisors and also like really tune into what's going on with you. That would be a step that they should do for themselves and to encourage their clients to do. Um, there's more to that. So I built this or I came up with this model called connect and those definitely are good building blocks. There's seven building blocks and they fit into each other. I don't know if we have time, we can get into it and maybe that can spark the conversation or. Yeah. You yeah. So, um, you know, cause the promise on this particular episode is I want listeners to walk away. Everybody who's listening in, I want them to walk away with clarity on how do I lead transformational change? So I think you did a really great job establishing what transformational change is and establishing, you know, and how it's different from other kind of change and you establish very well you know, just some of that initial starting point, but yeah, let's dive into your connect model and let's make that the focus. Cause that's really the goal here is, you know, how do you lead transformational change in this crazy volatile world? I came up with the connect model, which is the seven building blocks that every change leader needs to have. And I think I need to take time just to differentiate between a change leader and a change uh, catalyst. A change leader is basically the leader who owns the change. It could be the CEO that has a vision of how to grow their company or introduce a new, um, um, a new service or create maybe a, a new unit, or it could be a VP that have this change agenda or transformation that needs to happen. They, they need to have those seven building blocks in order to be a success, successful change leader. But the work that I do usually is I work with the change catalyst because the change leader usually is supported by the change catalyst, whether the HR, whether a change team or transformation team, um, whether an external consultant that help them really navigate the intricacies and the challenges of whatever they're going through through the transformation. 
So tell me a little bit about your methodology around how you help your clients or what you believe is the best way that to ignite transformational change in an organization. Um, so basically the model really is, is seven blocks. It's called CONNECT. And basically it's an acronym for uh, championing both purpose and courage, optimizing future possibilities, navigating human complexity, nurturing collaborative networks, enhancing business insight, cultivating well-being and tapping into the collective wisdom. And there's a lot to it that we cannot cover just in, in this podcast. But the thing is, this seven building blocks is for any leader who wants to be able to have a successful transformation. And basically, if they master all these seven building blocks, then that will enable them to basically reach their goals. But at the same time, any change catalyst, which are basically the clients that I work with. So basically a change leader is the one who owned the change. A CEO wants to launch a new business venture, a VP who wants to transform their team or their organization. Usually they will turn to HR, an internal transformation team, uh, change um, a team, or even a consultant to work with them. So I work with these people to enable them to support their change leader. And usually what they need to do is to understand their seven building blocks and how to enable the leader to be successful at that. So they need to be able to connect and have this great connection with their leader, trust, openness, ability to challenge, ability to understand how their leadership style and how they, 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 they engage with the organization and the work to be able really to support them. And it's become like this map for them to know if their leader is aligned with the work and is able to move successfully in their transformation. So that's interesting. So I think you created a document of some kind or that people can get on your website. Um, could you quickly give that URL so that if people want to know more about this Connect model? Can you give that URL real, URL real quick? Yeah, definitely. It's a self-assessment uh, either for change leaders or change catalysts that can go through it. And it's on you know, my website that is on the bottom of the screen, www.dalihamush.com. And basically, they can download it for free and go through the document. And also, what's really interesting, they, even for change catalysts, they can do it with their teams. And that way, they can be able to see what are the different strengths and areas of development within their team. So one of the questions that I know I get asked all the time, you know, as, as a former OD consultant and other people who want to advise this kind of transformational change, it's like, well, how do I get a seat at the table? You know, like, how do I get myself positioned where I actually could help these leaders with this transformational change? So can we talk about that a little bit? Like, what are some of your tips? Like I could tell, I've, I think I've told on the podcast quite a bit, like my tips of like how I, you know, break into new client systems and position myself, but from your experience, how do you do that? So uh, the thing, one thing is that people know you even before you think they know you. So that's very important. So the first thing I always advise when I coach people and mentor them, always do good work. Do good work like nobody, even if nobody's looking, nobody's following you. Because I can guarantee you when you do good work, it travels in the organization, outside the organization, and your name start to come up behind doors. So that's the first thing, build credibility and make sure that even if it's just a small project you're in, that it's really excellent work. That's the first thing. Second thing, volunteer your, your skills. Um, if, for example, you want to get on a strategy session, 
volunteer to be the facilitator. If you don't have yet facilitation skills, be the note taker. Uh, make sure that you are in the room and that way you can start building a report and people start to know you and remember you. The other thing also a lot of well, people can do. I, I want to I comment on that one. Because a lot of people feel like, well, no, no taker. Like, I'm just going to have the client do it. Like when my mentoring with people, it's like, no, never do that. The person with the marker is the most powerful person in the room, you know? And that is like, I would never give that up. And I would never give up shaping the notes afterwards. Cause that is how I influence clients. I don't know if you have that same belief, but that's like, that's my belief is like, it's powerful to have that marker, right? Really powerful. And actually it's really interesting because sometimes in certain sessions, because it's complex, you'll have a note taker and you'll have a facilitator and you can see the power residing with these two because people will tell the facilitator to record things, but they'll turn to the note taker to get about, to, to ask about what they said two, three minutes before. And the way the note taker will report back can shape the conversation, take it to a different direction. The other thing also is sometimes you don't have the power from the first time you get into the room. So remember, I'm sure Betsy, when you started your career, you were not always the most powerful person in the room with the marker. So start somewhere, even if you know it's the coffee person, just start and people, they get to, to know you. The other thing that, but it's like, okay, so let's talk about your high level consultants and your CHROs. I'm like, I'm not going to go in there and be a note taker. Like, forget that. I'm like, you know, but go in as a facilitator. I'll tell you by my experience at, and actually I, I have a podcast on this, like what executives really look for. The number yeah. one thing is outside perspective. Yeah. Like having that outside perspective of that conversation that's going on in the room and having an ability to corral the perspectives of an executive team in terms, like in general is amazing, but when you're dealing with transformational change and if you can get those cats on the same page, like what a huge difference maker that would be. Yeah, and, and the thing is, even if you are the person facilitating, doesn't mean you can have you cannot have a role into the conversation. So I, I think you take the space that you want to take. And it's amazing that a lot of time, and you're right, Betsy, when you start taking the space, people welcome you. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of consultants, sometimes they're afraid to take that space, like, oh, it's not my place. I'm not competent. People are very kind a lot of time. And you can do, when you take the space, they give you the space. The, the other thing also, I always advise um, change catalysts or people who are trying to get into those conversations. A lot of them, what they do, they want to have a meeting with the CEO or the VP. And these people, you know, their, their, their calendar is busy. But one thing very important, these people have advisors. They have people they listen to. Find those people and go to them and talk to them and build a report within, with them because they will talk about you to their leader mm -hmm. and they're going to make that happen. So a lot of times people will focus on the, uh, on the EVP or on the CEO. And those people, they have so many um, employees, vendors, partners coming to them that they're sometimes they're just overwhelmed. But what they do is they start to sift and they start to select. And what they do, they have their own advisors. And if that advisor tell them, Betsy is really smart and it could be great to have her on their project, they will have you in a sec. So they trust them. Find those people that are constellating around the leader and build a report with them. That's wow, awesome. That's, that's a fantastic strategy. And that works. You're right is that there is something about like really reading the room and that there's the leaders and then there's the informal leaders. 
you know, and finding those informal leaders, building the rapport. Oh my gosh. Like it's a win-win for everybody. That is a brilliant solution. Yeah. For me, that always worked. And and I, and I lived it also as, as a leader because my calendar is was so busy and I was tired all the time that if somebody new come in, I'm already starting with the deficit of attention and energy that all I want is to end that meeting very fast. But when my trusted advisor says, oh, by the way, I met Betsy. She's amazing. We could have her on the team when we're doing this strategy session. I'm like, okay, make it happen. I trust you. You know me. You know what I prioritize or what I value. And it mm -hmm. becomes much more easily for Betsy to come in and the door open has already credibility versus trying to fight for that time and attention. Um, the, the other thing also for me for, uh, for, for, the, for, for the change catalyst that I always um, emphasize is nurture collaborative networks. Mm. We look at networking as a way to get a promotion, get a hat or something like that. We don't look at them as a distributed network of brain power, information, and, and knowledge. So that's very important. Have a, a collaborative network inside and outside the organization. You know, it's amazing how much you will know through that network without even having to invest a ton of time trying to do research and, 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 and learn. It's a fast, it's a crash course on anything you are researching or you want to learn or you want to make happen. It makes me think about a change that I wanted to pitch to a client I was working with when I was an external consultant and it had something to do with their how they were engaging their customers. And I knew the president really relied on the VP of sales for that. So instead of going directly to the president, I went to the VP of sales, pitched the idea. We created the entire proposal, everything that we were going to do, what the options were. And we got it. I got it all clear, went into the president and I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this? And he's like, Oh, well, this looks good, but you need to talk to Tim. I'm like, cool. You know, like, all right, I'll talk to Tim, check, check. And it got done really quickly. Um, because of that collaborative relationship. So I think it's something about like understanding who your stakeholders are, who also might share the same idea that you have, build a relationship and then use them together. Like, cause it's, it's a win-win. It's not like, I like the word collaborative that you're saying it's win-win. It's not just about, yeah. I'm going to use this person so I can get ahead and I can get a promotion. It's like, no, how can we work together to promote what's in the best interest yeah. of the company? And also they have priorities and they might need your help with it. I look at it as, you know, the, 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 the current influencers. So if you want to make things change happen, or if you want to get an idea across as a change catalyst, you can just disseminate it through those networks. And at a certain point it takes momentum and it starts to gather traction and it starts to happen. So that's also something that's really important. And the other thing also, Betsy, timing. I've seen so many HR people sometimes come into the room and throw in something to the change leader and it was not the right time and it just plopped. Find your timing, see if the person is ready and open to listen and let it go if it's not the right time. Because what mm -hmm. it does, if you try to push it harder, it'll just make your relationship become conflictual with the change leader. Read the room, find the right time. Sometimes we come in uh, or the change catalyst uh, come in um, and they're like, oh, I know what the executive leadership needs to do. This is when they need to prioritize and this is what they need to do. But they're in a different place. 
So you have to really read the room and find the timing. Otherwise, your best ideas are going to fail just because it was not the right time for the ones receiving it to hear it. So it's interesting is like, as you're talking about it, is like we're in this, we're, we, we, what we talked about today is we talked a lot about how transformational change is different because of the ambiguity, the volatility, and all of that confusion. We talked about that difference. You know, we talked about the difference between a change catalyst and a change leader, the seven things that the change leader really needs to have in place in order for the change to be successful based on your connect model. Now we're getting into like, what does this person need to be able to do to get themselves positioned to be that change leader? And we're kind of going back to the original of what does it mean to be a trans, you know, just what's transformational changes, the, the volatility, the uncertainty, and you have to really pay attention from a readiness standpoint, you know, just what, what that person and that organization can actually manage and how much ambiguity, how much complexity, how much change can they master at the same time without their system kind of going, you know, and I, I can't move forward beyond that. Yeah. And and one secret component or very critical component is the creating healthy and safe and diverse and inclusive environments. Because here is the thing, as a change catalyst, FHR, if I don't feel safe with my executive team, I will not be able to do my best work, challenge them and help them to move their transformation vision. I will not be able to tell them this is the ethical implication or this is the challenges that the rest of the organization is facing. The diversity inclusivity is very important because I need to be able to see the, the, the different perspective and the difference, different uh, challenges that might come. If we are just clones, basically we have a big uh, blind spot that we'll not be able to see. Um, and then the right to fail and experiment, because whether me as a change catalyst, whether the leader, the change leader, if we don't feel safe, we will not be able to experiment. And if we don't experiment, we will fail because we will not be able to basically test something without knowing it's the solution. Because that's what's happening in transformation and change. We test things without knowing that that's the right thing to do. So if we don't have this healthy and safe and inclusive environment, things will not be able to happen. So how do you create that in organization? That's one also of the most critical questions. This whole transformation change we're talking about will not be able to happen in a toxic environment. It's impossible. Well, that's a transformation in itself like creating, taking a toxic environment, transforming it into a healthy culture is probably the largest transformational change any organization can embark on. It's possible. It's not easy. I mean, that's harder than anything else. There's that's, that's the hardest thing of all. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about how people can work with you, like so specifically. So you have clients who are internal consultants. And I don't know if you work with external consultants as well, but how can people work with you to grow their ability to become highly effective transformational change consultants and coaches, internal, external, and how do you help them you know, get their seat at the table? How do you help them position themselves and deliver great results? So I have three uh, programs. The first one is the trusted advisor. So I work one-on-one -on -one with... Um, 
with with individuals and basically what i do is that i customize my services for them so we look at what their goals where they're starting and craft a journey and a program for them to be able to get them to where they want to go the second one is i work with intact team so if there is a internal catalyst uh, or external catalyst um, team and they want to be able to get their seat at the table uh, influence their change leaders improve the, their impacts on their organization that's something that i worked with them work with them and i also include in that group coaching facilitation uh, skill development etc and then the third one is executive alignment so there is an organization and a leadership team that you know needs to be able to work together to articulate their vision for the future and basically i work with them and facilitate that process for them i do also some speaking engagement um so that's also a way that i can work with organizations so that's awesome so and i assume that they could find it on your all this information on your website www.dariamouche.com in french and in english awesome fantastic so um, is there anything else? We've talked a lot about different things as it relates to transformational change. Is there anything else that you would want to tell me about this topic? And I just haven't asked you the right question. I think you asked all the questions, Betsy. I think for me, the thing that I want to reinforce in transformational change, the thing that makes it harder and complex is the human element. Mm. Um, and getting the human element right when there is a lot of uncertainty, ambiguity, and complexity, uh, that's the most, the toughest part for a lot of change leaders and change catalysts. Um, and that's, I think, where I can help and where is my gift is that human messiness and how to really get through it and make it into a healthy, safe, and inclusive environment. You know, and really respecting all the individuals too. It's like it's human messy, but when you get everybody involved, like I think it really does address what you said um, not too long ago about the diversity element, diversity of thought is like engaging that you do create that environment. So that's really awesome. That's really powerful. And I know how passionate you are about what you're doing. I highly recommend Dolly. He's just a joy to work with. And I know that as it relates to the clients that you work with, it's just, it's very transformational for themselves. It's not just about leading transformation for other people, but it's for themselves. And for those of you who are listening, you want to land those like huge clients after those bigger six-figure transformational change projects, and you have no idea how to get there, Dolly could definitely help you position yourself for those higher ticket engagements. So definitely check him out. Um, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show and thank you all for listening and I will see you next time. Thanks, Betsy. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review enough already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at BetsyJordan.com and it's Betsy Jordan with a Y and you'll learn all about our end-to-end -end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait, start today.